So I have a really easy day today. You just heard all you're going to hear from me today. Because uh, in a moment, Danny Canales, who's our worship leader, is actually going to be preaching today, which I'm excited about. We're looking forward to this. So you hear him preach all the time when he leads worship, but now you're actually going to hear him preach, preach. So, but today's a special day. So obviously, Tim Hess led worship for us, which is really a powerful thing about God's done in his life. And you're going to hear a bit of, of Danny's story and what God has done in his life. And so as we were praying this morning, as we pray collectively at, at, at 8.15, 8.30, and we kind of hear what is God saying. And one of the things I really felt like is sometimes we forget that God is continuing to write his story of redemption in all of our lives. Just because the pages of scripture have been closed and those things that we read and we glean from, the story of God continues throughout human history. And that means every day of our life, God is unfolding his, his story of redemption in our lives. And so that includes what's happening today in us individually, what's happening in our church. And so uh, would you say good morning and welcome to Danny as he comes and he preaches for us this morning. This is weird. <laughs> just going to start. Hey, can we give the worship team just one more round of applause for what they did, man? So good. I'm just there like letting it all go. I'm, I'm worshiping and it's so good and so beautiful to see how God does and, and how God moves. And, man, I'm excited to be up here right now and uh, it's been a while since I've, since I've spoken this way and I'll share with you my story a little bit later. But God is a God of redemption. God is a God who comes full circle, amen. And so I believe God has a word for us this morning and I want to encourage you this morning. You know what, actually, I'm going to say this. I, I love how John preaches and everything like that, but I'm Hispanic, so I like to get a little bit louder and everything like that. So if it's okay, if you want to shout me down, if you want to say amen, hallelujah, that was great, that was all good, feel free to do that. If I see one person standing, like, testify, whatever, that's all cool, too. Do whatever you want to do. But this morning, can we get a little bit more reactive? Can we do, yeah, is that okay? How you react is going to make me preach better, and you want me to preach good, right? So some of you might leave and go, just stick to worship. It's fine. That's good. So, um, but no worries. But, hey, I want to read uh, something in the scripture. It's Philippians chapter 3. We're going to continue on from where we've been in our series. And it's Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 17. So if you have a Bible, open it up to, uh, to that page. And I'll wait a little bit till everybody opens it up. Or if you have a phone or an iPad, turn it on and swipe to the page too. And uh, if you don't have anything, person next to that person, don't judge them. Just scoot on over, make a friend, and say, can I read off your Bible? There you go. Boom, community. That's how you do it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 17. If you have a say, I'm there. Okay, one person's there. I'll give you some more time. There's a table of contents also in the front of the Bible if you need to. Uh, we read our Bibles here, right? Everybody reads their Bible? Okay, cool. Good, 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 good. All right. You guys have it? Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 17. I'm going to go a little Baptist just because that's how I grew up. So if, is it cool if we stand to honor the word of God and read this? Yeah, is that cool? Cool. You can say yeah when I ask a question. That's cool. All right, that's it. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 17 says this. It says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Somebody say press on. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let's pray. God, we're here this morning. 
and we want to hear from you. God, as we open up your word, we believe that it is alive, it is powerful, and it has something to say to us today. So I pray, Lord, that right now you would just begin to change hearts, convict hearts, encourage hearts, God. Let us leave differently than the way that we walked in. And, Lord, we believe that you are here and you are speaking. So speak now. We're listening. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. And this church says, amen. You guys can be seated. So if you are taking notes, you can title this message. I want to title it, Go for the Gold. We all like gold. Ladies, you love gold. Go for the gold. I want to ask you this question. Have you ever worked so hard for something because you knew that the reward on the other side was going to be worth all the pain that you had to go through to get there? Yeah? Right now I'm working out. Still don't quite see it, so I'm not sure if the reward is coming quite yet. But I'm believing there's a reward through all this pain. But we sometimes do things because we know that the reward, the reward at the end is going to be so much better than all that we have to go through to get there. Go for the goal. See, a few years ago, I had some friends that asked me a ridiculous question. They said, hey, Danny, do you want to run a 5K with us? I said, What? And it was like, it was a, the turkey turkey run or something that they do around Thanksgiving around here, right? It's, I don't know what it is. I don't even know how long 5K is. It was like, it felt like forever. It felt like five blocks. I don't know how long. And they said, do you want to run a 5K? And I said, um, this is the first question that I asked. They said, you want to run a 5K with this? I said, what do I get at the end? That was my first question. Because if I don't get nothing at the end, then I don't want to run. I want a, I want a gold medal. I want a, a, a lanyard. I want something to show off and say, I ran this darn 5K. And they said, well, you don't, you don't really get anything. So I said, I'm out. That's, they said, but, well, you kind of get something. It's not like something you can show off or anything. And he said, they have, they have pumpkin pie at the end of the race. And if you know me, I, I said, I'm there. I will run a 5K for a slice of pumpkin pie. The most ridiculous logic, but I did it. And I ran that 5K because I knew at the end of that race, man, all I could think of was like, pumpkin pie, pumpkin pie, pumpkin pie, whipped cream. And I ate it, and it was good. And that was my reward. I had something to look forward to. I'm also an introvert. You might not be able to tell on stage right now. It's because I hide it well. Church is where I, I love where I, church is where I get all, you know, excited and crazy and everything like that. Once I'm done, Netflix, bed, we're good, okay? But I, I, so, what was I saying? Um, and so, I'm an introvert, right? But if you want to invite me to your house, I most likely will say, nah, I'm okay, I got things to do. But if you say, there's going to be food, it's worth all the pain of having to talk to you and sit through all of that just for dinner, amen? Can anybody, any introverts can relate for that, yeah? So, hey, I will, I'll hang in there for you. Go for the gold. All right, now that I wasted 10 minutes of my time, let's move on to the actual word of God. Verse 12 says this, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Not that I've already attained this or am already perfect. What is this? What is Paul talking about when he says, I haven't obtained this yet and I'm not already perfect. In order to understand this, we have to go back. See, today's message is actually a continuation of last week's message. If you weren't here last week, you can go on YouTube or we have a really cool app that you can download. It's the Antioch app, free plug, plug, plug. All right, so go download that. It's a great app. Um, 
There you go. You're welcome, John. So, but this is a continuation of last week. And here what we're going to see is before we jump into this, we're going to see how Paul gives us a glimpse of his life. He's going to give us a glimpse of his past, his present, and his future. And we all like to be nosy. We all like to know what's going on in people's lives. That's why you do Facebook. That's why you do Instagram. For some of you younger folk, you watch vlogs. You just love to see what someone's eating that morning, what they're doing right now. And we love to see what people are up to. And so I feel like this is Paul giving us a little status update on his Facebook and saying, this is my life. This is where I've been. This is my past, my present, and my future. So if we go back to verse verse 1 through 11, I'm just going to read this quick line, but it says this. He says, Paul, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. He's saying, this is who I was, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, a persecutor of the church. And he can recall, and I remember when I used to kill Christians and go after them and persecute the church. But then Christ Jesus found me and turned my world upside down. And he moves on to verse 7, and he says, now this is my present. But whatever gain I had, I counted as what? Loss. It's worth nothing to me. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I want to look at this. Surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Somebody say surpassing worth. Good, good, good. Before I move on, it has nothing really to do right now with what I want to say, but listen to this surpassing worth. Do you talk about Jesus this way? Do you talk about Jesus in this way, saying there's nothing that compares to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord? There is awe. There is reverence right there. I pray that we would speak of God that way, surpassing. That means it's greater than all. It's better than. It goes above and beyond. There is surpassing worth. Nothing can compare to the worth of knowing Christ. You want to know if that's how you see your Jesus? Look at the way that you worship. That when you're singing these songs and you see Tim just burying his heart and his tears, he's saying this is the surpassing word. There is nothing that is greater than the love of God. Nothing that is greater than Jesus himself. He is so worthy. And Paul is writing it and said, everything I had is lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. But what does he say? Does he say Christ Jesus, the Lord? I love that he says Christ Jesus my Lord, it's a personal thing. It says there's nothing that compares to knowing the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you speak of Jesus this way? Does your desire express yourself this way? Is Jesus your Lord, your everything? And then he talks about his future. Philippians 3, 17 to 21 says this. He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walked according to the example you have in us. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, now, here's who I was, a persecutor of the church, 
But now Jesus, the surpassing worth, he has saved me, he has changed me, and I'm not perfect, but I press on. And so now I am await a savior. My citizenship is in heaven, and I know Jesus is going to come back to me. He's talking about his future. So here we have a glimpse of his past, his present, and this future that he knows that he, that he will have in Christ Jesus. So what is Paul saying as he gives us a glimpse of his life right here? I want to paraphrase it if that's cool. I think he says something real simple. And he's saying this. If you're taking notes, write this down. He's saying, who I was is not who I am. And who I am is not who I will be. One more time. Who I was is no longer who I am. And who I, I three people are awake. And who I am is no longer who I One more time until it sets in. Who I was is no longer who I am, and who I am is no longer who I will be. See, you have to declare some of these things over your life and say, this is who I am in Jesus. Otherwise, you're going to get through this life just getting by, just getting by. But when you start declaring in your life, who I was is no longer who I am, that means that who I am, God is returning. He is moving in me. He is sanctifying me. I am no longer will be who I am today. Tomorrow, I'm a different person than I was yesterday. Can anybody give a praise to God for that, that he continues to move and to change and to do a new work in our life? If you're not excited about that, let me tell you, you got to come to Jesus. you got to ask God to start moving in you because he is a God that is working in us every single day, past, present, future. I thank God that who I was, who I am now is not who I was a year ago. And who I will be in a year from now is different than the person that is up here preaching on this mic. And I pray that that person who is different in a year from now is because he is closer to Jesus than he has been in his past. See, you, you are no longer who you were. Right now, you're who you are. But God is going to do something great in your life. So write this down right now. If you're taking notes, number one, write this. Say, I may not be perfect, but I have a story. I may not be perfect, but I have a story. Look what Paul says. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Not that I've already obtained this. He's letting us know. Let me tell you, if anyone in the Bible came close to perfection, or at least from what we read, I feel like Paul, this guy wrote most of the New Testament. You would think like this guy kind of almost had it. He's like, I'm pretty close right there, you know, but, uh, but I haven't obtained it yet. But he's saying not that I've obtained this yet or I'm already perfect. See, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. Hate to break it to you. How about, you know what? Look to someone next to you and tell them, you're not perfect. Just to wake them up a little bit. Make sure that they get that in their head. You're not perfect. And the rest of you look to the person that just told you that. How rude. And you tell them, you know, I hate to break it to you, but you're not perfect either. Man, sometimes we need a, we need a, a reminder. We need to get in check. Wives, look at your husbands and tell them, you're not perfect. You know, sometimes they think that. It's okay, tell them, you're not perfect. Husbands, look at your wives and say, you're perfect. Just tell them, give them a kiss right now. Tell them you're perfect in every way. I think there's something wrong in that verse 12 right there. But, you know. but how many of us can agree with Paul and say, you know what? Who I am right now is not, maybe it's not exactly who I want to be. 
I may not necessarily be where I need to be or where I want to be, but I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect yet. I haven't quite obtained this yet, but I know God is working in me. He says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. One more time. So what is this? What is he talking about when he says this? We go back again to verse 11 uh, to 7 through 11, and he says this, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may obtain resurrection from the dead. In other words, so what is this that he's talking about? He's saying, I just want to know Christ more and more, and I want to experience resurrection from the dead. In other words, one day I want to see Christ face to face and enter into his presence. And I haven't obtained this quite yet. I'm not quite where I want to be or what I need to be. And no, I'm not perfect. But God is working in me. See, when I was younger, I had a youth pastor that told me these words once. And they stuck with me. And I've never forgotten them. And so you may have heard me say them a few times as I'm leading worship. But he said, never allow yourself to become satisfied in your walk with Christ. Simple. Never allow yourself to become satisfied in your walk with Christ. It is a daily growth. It is daily sanctification that he does, that his spirit does in us. And I believe this is what the heart of Paul is saying in this place. He's saying, I am not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. I haven't obtained this yet, and I am not perfect. I want to know the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. I want to know the resurrection of the dead. I want to enter into his presence and see my beautiful Savior, my maker, and I'm not there yet. He's still working in me. I'm still on this earth. I'm still running this race. So what does he say after that? I'm not there yet, but I press on. I press on to make it my own. Look how many times Paul says, I press on. When you look at your life and you say, I'm not quite there yet. I'm not quite who I need to be. I know there's so much more that God has for my life. Do you press on? Because he says right here, verse 12, I press on to make it my own. Verse 13, forgetting what lies uh, behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Somebody say forward. Stop looking backwards. Start looking forward. You know, Lot's wife, when she looked backwards, she turned into a pillar of salt. See, sometimes in our past, we have so many things that have hurt us and has caused us pain that when you look back, you just get salty, okay? You just get bitter about it. You got to move forward. Stop looking backwards. He says, I press on to what lies ahead to make it my own. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal. What's the goal? Let me ask you this question. He says, pressing on. Pressing on, that's hard. I think he's trying to say that there's something that's he's got to get through and push through to press on. He's not just saying, I breeze, you know, I breeze through. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm just going to struggle. Here I am. <laughs> like, he's, he's pressing on. Have you ever, like, like, have you ever got the feeling that this whole Christian thing, this whole walking with Jesus, following Jesus thing, like, that is hard. Anybody, anybody feel like this is not easy. This is hard. This is hard. Life is hard. Following Jesus is hard. 
Even the psalmist looks at the people that aren't following Jesus and, and, and they're just doing their own thing and says, how come they're getting blessed, it seems, and they're getting all this wealth and, and they're succeeding in life, but me to follow Jesus, it's like, I'm, what, what are you doing in this season of my life? Why am I here? God, I'm following you. Shouldn't I be like them? It's hard. It's not easy to follow Jesus. But let me tell you one thing. It's worth it. And if there's anything that God has been teaching me in these last couple of years is that it is worth it to go through it all. Life is hard. Following Jesus is hard. But it is worth it. We need to press on. I love what John Piper says. He's writing about the life of, of this evangelist, Charles Simeon. And he's looking at his example and how he overcame some trials. And he says this. I love it. He says, I know that I am in great measure a child of my times. And one of the pervasive marks of our times is emotional fragility. It hangs in the air we breathe. Listen to this. I think this is so true for many Christians. He says, we are easily hurt. We pout and we mope easily. We blame easily. How many know it's way easier to blame someone than take it responsibility on for yourself? We break easily. Our marriages break easily. And our commitment, somebody say commitment, yeah, to the church breaks easily. We are easily disheartened. And it seems we have little capacity for surviving and thriving in the face of criticism and opposition. Can I tell you one thing of what we're just reading right here? Stop giving up so easily. Why are we a generation, especially mine, millennials, young people, why do we give up so easily? Because we saw one bad example of a bad Christian. Because one church did us wrong, we give up and we walk away from the church. Get back in church. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. Stop breaking so easily. Stop letting go of your commitment to church so easily. Press on. Stop giving up so easily. No matter where you're at in life right now, press on. Don't give up. Get in closer to God. See, that's what we forget. We give up. Yeah, the devil has some hard punches. Yeah, this life is hard. But you know what the Bible says? If you read the Bible, it says, but is God's arm too short? Man, I want to see the devil in a boxing match with God. God's arm is too long. Is the Lord's arm too short? The devil throws some hard punches, but we have someone who is for us, not against us. Amen. Who is stronger than all the attacks that the enemy might have to throw it out. Stop giving up so easily. He knows just what to throw your way for you to throw in the towel and say, I give up on church. I give up on this. This is too hard. This is too hard. Everything's falling apart. See, stop quitting when life gets hard. When you're praying and you don't hear an answer, let me tell you something. Pray harder. See, when you're reading the Bible and it's not making sense to you, go deeper. When you're worshiping and it still hurts, you praise him louder. When you're dreaming for greater things, you know God has some greater dreams for your life. But where God has you might not quite seem where you want him to have you. You keep dreaming bigger and you are faithful where he's called you to be. You press on. Stop letting people tear you down to tell you you can't. Let the enemy tell you that's it. That's as far as you'll go. Press on. Look what he says, verse 12. I press on to what? To make it my own. To make it 
my um, Brian Houston of the Hillsong Church. He's a pastor. He has a phrase that I love, and um, it's like burned in my brain. He says this, my faith, my responsibility. My faith, my responsibility. This is not my parents' faith. This is not John's faith. This is not the worship leader's faith. This is my faith. I press on to make this my own. The calling of God is my own. How badly do I want to experience the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord? Then I have to push through what's hard. I got to stop giving up so easily. I press on to make this faith my own. Why? You go, well, what's the point? That just sounds like more work, more effort. It's not about earning your salvation. It's about God doing it with you, him doing it for you. He's already paved the way. His grace gives you the strength. All it is is about resting in him and trusting in him. Why do I strive and I press on to make this faith my own? Because Paul goes on to say in verse 12 at the end, he says, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. What more motivation could you need? So you're telling me I press on through all the hurt, through all the hardships, through this life, this race. I'm running this race, and I'm going to sweat. I'm going to get tired. I got a pen. I got to stop. I forgot my water bottle at the starting line, you know, and I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. You mean I have to endure this? Because you're saying that Jesus endured it all for me? Then that's nothing. Then that's worth it. Jesus has made me his own. Look at the cross. Look at the garden, how he wept and said, take this cup from me if there's any other way. But not as I will, as you, I will press on even to death on a cross. Why? I want to read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Why did he do it? Why did Jesus do it? He didn't have to. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance. Stop running with weights. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to who? Somebody say Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus, there's freedom in the name of Jesus. There's hope in the name of Jesus. You want motivation? You want inspiration? You want a little bit of strength and courage to get you through this hard day? You look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Here it is. This is where you come in. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Did you realize for the joy set before him, he endured it because we were his joy. I love it how the message puts it. Listen to this. It says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down. Start running. Never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on who? The person next to you? Jesus. Come on. The person next to you. We keep our eyes on. See, you got to understand where our hope comes from. Who both began and finished the race we're in. I love this. It says study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. He was heading forward. 
that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. We press on because Jesus pressed on for us and for his glory. Amen. Is anybody grateful that God pressed on for us? Can we give God praise that he pushed through and he pressed on fully God but fully human experiencing all pain for the joy that was set before him. I think somebody right now needs to be reminded that right now where you're at, the thing that you might be pressing through this season is not your whole story. This season that you might find yourself in, if that's where you're at, is only a part of your story. This season is not your identity. Your strength is in Christ, and in him you press on because you know he walks with you. He goes before you, so I press. Come on. I press on. God, you did it for me. This season is not my whole story. Which leads me to my second point. I am not called to dwell on my past. I'm called to embrace a future. I'm not called to dwell on my past. I'm called to embrace a future. Verse 13, he says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. In other words, again, he's saying, I haven't made it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. I haven't quite made it yet, but you know what? Forget what lies behind and straining to what lies ahead. Let me tell you something. You want to know the secret? I'm going to give you a secret. here. You want to know the secret to pressing in? The secret to walking into the future that God has called you to? You want all that God has for you in your life? What is the future that he's asking you to step into? You know how to get there? Paul tells us right here, let go of your past. Let go of your past. Start there. Because you can't step into a future if you're still too afraid to let go of the box and the walls that you've built around yourself called the past. See, I believe the past is one of the greatest weights that we carry. And we try to run this race and we try to get to the finish line. But we keep getting dragged and weighted down by the past. And we keep looking back and looking back. All the past does is screams that, it disqual that you're disqualified from the love of God. That you're disqualified from a future and all the dreams that he has for your life. That's not true. You let go of the past. The Bible says what can separate us from the love of God? God. What? What can separate us? Nothing. See, God is not a God of the past. God is a God of the future. God is not a God of the past. God is a God of the future. And I think someone needs to hear that today. If you have a pen or a pencil, a piece of paper, write that down, circle it, underline it, highlight it, and tell yourself today, God is not a God of the, God is a God of my future. There is a future that I'm walking in. Some of you don't believe me, so I'm going to tell you that Scripture says, I'm not just trying to motivate you and give you a good, inspiring message this morning. I'm trying to tell you what God says right here. Look what he says in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, for I know the plans 
that I have for you. I know the plans I had for you. Have. He has plans for you. See, those are not yesterday's plans. These are future plans. And you know what? Sometimes the plan he has for you when he's also calling Isaiah and Jeremiah, sometimes this plan means that it's not going to be easy. It's going to be harder still. You're going to prophesy to my people and they're not going to listen. Their eyes will be closed. Their ears will be closed. They won't listen to the word that I've given you that I'm telling you to tell them. But you press on and you keep preaching the word and you keep moving forward. I know the, hands, the plans I have for you. But we have to step in to the future. Step out of the past. Lamentations 3.22 says, For the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. His mercies are new every once in a while. Every morning. His mercies are new every single morning. So he cries out, Great is your faithfulness. Is anybody glad today that you don't live on yesterday's mercies? You're not trying to get by today off of yesterday's mercy scraps. You're not like, how much mercy do I have left over? My rollover minutes on mercy, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to live off of that a little bit. Oh, shoot, I'm running out. Now they're going to charge me over. My data's going to go over. God, you got any more mercies? But don't charge me to it. God's mercies are new every morning. Every single morning. Can God, can someone give praise to God that his mercies are not yesterday's mercies. They're brand new mercies. This morning when you wake, when you woke up, did you think of that? New mercies. Tomorrow when you know, man, work is coming. Life is hard. You're still going through that problem. You wake up and you say, new mercies. Let me put on some new mercies. Wash your face. New mercies. Come on. It's good. Get dressed in new mercies. Man, new mercies look good on you. Look at someone next to you and say, new mercies look good on you. Yeah, someone needs to hear that they look good this morning. You were doubting your haircut. Isaiah 43 says this, and remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing, and it now springs forth. Don't you perceive it? I love when God's like, don't you see it? I'm doing something. Oh, you don't see it? Let me tell you why because you're still looking over there. He's saying, look over here. This is where the new things are. But I like this. God, this is nice. I like this tricycle. But I got a bicycle for you. Oh, but, but this is nice, though. You know, we still keep looking over here, and God is saying, look at the future. Look at what's new. Behold, look at, check this out. And, and you're like, oh. <laughs> I'm doing something new in your life. Do you not see it? Stop dwelling on the past. Stop living in yesterday's shadow. Embrace the new. Why? Because I'm telling you because this is just something nice and exciting and, and inspiring to hear. No, because God says, 2 Corinthians 5 17, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. God is not a God of the past. He's a God of the future. He's a God of the new. See, I think some of us, this is something God has speak to me in my life, some of us are still operating on an encounter with God that we had years ago. This was so nice though, God. I love that you were doing here. He said, yeah, that was good, wasn't it? I, I did that, didn't I? Yeah, man, you really blew, that was great, right? I am, I'm God, I'm all, I can do some amazing things, right? Yeah, God, all glory to you, that's cool. Now check out what I can do, what I can keep on doing. Oh, you think that's all I had? I'm a God of the new. 
I'm a God of the future. Why are you still dwelling on an encounter you had with me in the past when I am calling you to a brand new future, greater dreams, greater vision, greater things, greater marriages, more healing, offer his glory. We press on to the new, straining forward to what lies ahead. And he says this in verse 14. What lies ahead? He says, I press on to the prize. I press on toward the goal for the prize. What's the prize? He says that by any means, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. See, Paul wanted to see his Lord. He wanted to know full glorification. He wanted to see Jesus face to face. This Jesus that he was pressing on to know more here, to make this faith his own, to press through it all, through hardship, through persecution, through being thrown in jail, all of this was going to be worth it because someday he would see Christ. These present troubles are nothing compared to the beauty of someday seeing our Jesus face to face. I love what John Vernon McGee says, he says this. He says, Paul's future is so absorbed by Christ as he's writing this that it motivates everything he says and does in the present. His prize is not some earthly reward, but Christ himself. He is so absorbed with Christ that it motivates everything he does in the present. He knows I have a coming Savior. Someday I will see Jesus. See, we don't simply run. You don't just run this race called life. You run this race for the prize. I'm going to say that again. You don't just run this race and get it over with. Like, I made it. You don't just survive. You run this race for the what? For the prize. You know what we run for? I believe we run to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear those words. I don't want to just get them and be like, barely made it. You know what surviving means? We use the word survive as this idea that like, just made it. Scraped by. You know, in Spanish, survive is the word sobrevivir. Sobre means over, above, beyond. Vivir means to live. To survive means that I lived this life and I lived it above and beyond. I survived it. I made it. I didn't just scrape by. Sobrevivi. I lived this life to the fullest. God said, I have brought, come to give you life and give you life abundant to the fullest. We live this life to the fullest for that is how we attain the prize. Are you living this life to the fullest? Are you running with all you have to hear those words? Come on. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. See, we don't just run to escape this life. We want to live it to the fullest. I want to ask you this. How do you know if you're living life to the fullest? What dreams do you have? What has God called you to? Some of you have been called to so many things. Some of you have a heart for the homeless. Some of you have a heart for planting churches. Some of you have a heart for kids and for youth or for, for worship or so many things missions some of you have a heart for 
the arts and creativity and there's so many things that God has placed uniquely inside of your life. And it's a dream that maybe so many people want to tear away from your hands. And you say, God has given me this dream, so I'm going to pursue it. God has given me this gift, so I'm going to use it. What gifts has God given you? What talents has he given to you? I want to tell you this. Multiply those gifts. Multiply the talents and stop burying them. Live your life to the fullest. See, we all have a race to run, no matter how old you are, old or young. And I want to encourage you, we're not running for a certificate of participation. I don't want a piece of paper. I want the gold. I want to go for the gold. You just want a certificate. Come on, there is so much more. There's enough gold to go around. God's got a prize for you, a reward for you. Don't settle for participation. It's not how you start. It's how you finish the race. You may have started strong. Somewhere along the line, you trampled up, and this life hit you hard. Then we give up too easily, and we walk away from the church. Because of the times we should be pressing in harder. That even when it hurts, I'm still going to press in. I'm still going to seek you, God. I'm still going to praise you. I see all my other friends walking away from you. I'm still here. I still want to know that all that you have for me is still there. So I run, and I go for the gold. And yes, let me tell you, going for the gold, that's a biblical concept as well. Look at what 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8 says. Paul is writing, and he says, now I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Wouldn't those be beautiful words for us to say at the end of our lives? When we know that Jesus is calling us home. We say, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, he says, now, now that I've done this, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will what? Award to me on that day. See, Paul was looking forward to a prize. Paul wasn't just happy with like, I'm going to just make it. I'm barely going to scrape by. He said, no, I fought this good fight. I was thrown in prison. I went through some hard stuff for Jesus and for his kingdom and for the cause of Christ. There better be a reward for me, Jesus. And Jesus says, Aren't I a good father that knows how to give good things? There is now reward, a crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day as I hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You press on when ministry is hard. Well done. I want Jesus to look at me on that day and when he says, what did I do with the life that I gave you? And I didn't just say, well, I just made it. I, you know, I want to say I ran. I chased the dreams that he gave me. I knew he gave me talent of creativity and music, so I pursued those. And I wrote songs. And I planted churches and all these things. But greater than all of that, when he says, what did I do? What did you do with the life that I gave you? 
that I would be able to lay down my crowns right at his feet. See right there? That's what I did. Not by my strength, but because of Jesus Christ who died, he rose, he allowed me, he gave me the strength by your spirit. Here it is. See, we don't keep the crowns for ourselves to, to show them off. All the crowns is so we can lay them at the feet of Jesus. And say, this is for you, God. I ran this race for you. I went to the end, got the gold, because I wanted to give it to you right back. Here's what you deserve. I didn't deserve this. You got me through this. I want to read one last quote. R.T. Kendall says this. I think he puts it so good to wrap it up. He said, a reward, a crown, a prize was very important to Paul. That to me speaks volumes. I don't mean to be unfair, but I never felt it was a mark of spirituality to say, I don't care about a reward. I just want to make it to heaven. See, Paul did not think like this. I want to hear Jesus say to me, well done. Don't you? When at the judgment seat of Christ, Jesus himself will look straight at us right into our eyes and say, well done. We will experience, when he says those words, an incalculable euphoria that will last not merely for a few seconds, but will stay with us throughout eternity. His well done will be worth all of the effort. His well done will be worth all of the effort. What are you going through right now? What is hurting? What are you fighting through? His well done will be worth all of the effort. Listen, all the struggle, all the hurt, all the lies, the hate, the tears, the misunderstanding, the suffering, the loneliness, the pain, the rejection, all that we will have undergone on this earth for the sake of Christ. Somebody say it with me. It will all be worth it. And when it all will come to us, all because we made the decision to follow Jesus and go for the gold is well done will be worth all the effort and that's where i'm at with my life right now i feel like i'm hungrier than ever for jesus because i pushed through some hard times and i can be one of the first here to say not that i've already made it i'm in a way better mood than i was three years ago when i first came to this church jonathan said i didn't want to be here he said you want to be the worship leader i was like nope <laughs> I was going through some hard things. See, I came here to see me to, to start a church, to plant a church. For those that don't, may not know my story, long story short, it was a beautiful church. Went strong for three years. It was growing. It was thriving. All ages. Tons of young people, though. Very creative. Very loud and very dynamic church. When, when service would start and worship would start, people would just come straight to the front. We wouldn't have to say, come to the front if you want to worship. The front would be filled up, ready to go, right at the, right at the start of it. People were ready. This was a living church. This was a lot. People getting baptized. People coming to see Jesus. People who tell us the stories. I've, I've given up on the church, but I'm back. Or some people that say, I've never stepped foot in church. And they're here. Because Jesus was so real in that place. And I was like, this is what, this is what I want to be doing. I want to see God doing great things in people's lives. And three, days, uh, three years later, God shut our doors. And to this day, I still don't know why. There was no moral failure. There was no, you know, someone stole money from the church or any, anything like that. We just couldn't afford it anymore. Or 
we looked for a building all around Simi. No one would give us a building. We were renting a dance studio. It was just getting too expensive for a church, especially full of you know, 75, 80% millennials who don't have jobs and we don't have money and to sustain a church. That's the best reason I can maybe give you. I think God's reason is that was a season and I, that was a good experience, but there's a whole new. And I believe there was weaknesses in my life that God wanted to teach me that he had to build my character some more. I thought I was, I had it. I thought I was, I know how to plan a church. God says, there's more that I want to do in your character. Let's see. And coming here, I led worship for a year and it was great and it was really hard on some of the staff. And so people can tell you this was not easy for me. Some, some weeks I was just angry. Some weeks I was just bitter. Some weeks I'd come to staff and everybody would be happy and, and planning and I'd just be sitting there like, I don't want to be here. I'm still mad at God. Why would he take away something so good in my life? Because after that, I also lost my apartment. My bank account, both checking and savings, all went in the negatives. I had no place to live. I moved in with my pastor. He didn't know where it was going. We looked at each other like, now what do we do? That's, this is what we came here for. We don't have a plan for the future. I lost some of my closest friends. My, my pastors, they were a family to me. They moved to Indiana, and then I was here. So what, what now, God? Where is everybody? He says, I'm here. And a year later, New Year's Day, 2017, I was telling God, God, I don't want last year to be the same as this year. Last year, I, I just would not listen to you. I just, I was bitter. I was, I was broken. So I said, God, can 2017 be better? What do I have to do? I want to see a change in my life. And someone at this church gave me a word, texted it to me and said, Danny, I don't know if this is from God, but I, I've been fighting not telling you this. But it's almost midnight, and I just, I can't go to sleep without sending this to you. And if it's not from God, then just whatever. But if it's from the Lord, then I pray that you pray over it. And this is what it said. It said, last year was a crossroads for you, Danny. Lots of choices were available to run, to hide, or to stand and see what the Lord would say to you. You have stood. God counts you faithful. You have paid a steep cost. It has felt like an uphill battle. It was similar also for Moses. His was an uphill battle to the top of Mount Sinai. He went virtually alone and was rewarded with my presence. It said, you carry a gift within you. There is within you a resident gift of hunger for worship, to know your maker, to encounter the face of mystery, to swim in my depths. You asked for this intimacy. So I allowed a storm. Isn't God backwards sometimes? I said, yeah, I want to know you more, God. But he says, cool. So here comes the storm. And he said, you followed me to the waters, and you learned how to walk there, mastering the waves, calming the seas. You began the process of becoming my son. The miracle of transformation, the quest for intimacy, always begins with a crisis of identity. Whose son are you? To live within the beauty and the suffering of unanswered questions begins to reveal your identity. He said, I will heal you. I will recover all. What has been lost for my sake will be regained. 
you will receive what you've asked for and more. Heaven is pleased. 2016 is gone. 2017 beckons. New gifts, new songs, new beginnings, new people to reach with my presence. Be bold. Be confident that the work that I have begun in you will set you free. The process that has begun will be completed. You will delight in enlargement. I will go before you. Can you imagine me sitting in my car at midnight on New Year's Day reading these words after asking God, God, what is this next year going to look like? Say, God hears you. Let go of your past. Step into his future. I don't know what God has for me in the future. I'm going to step into it. But even greater than that, I'm going to be faithful where he has me because right here is where he's speaking. This is what he's teaching. This is what he's doing. Walk through the waters. Walk through the storm. Press on. Press on. Make this faith your own. And you declare who I was is no longer who I am. And who I am, praise God, is not who I will be. See, in the end, I'm going to end with this. In the end, my life is not going to give account to anyone else but to God. I'm not here to please people. My life will give an account to God and no one else. So I say, don't let anyone deter you from pressing on towards the prize. Go for the goal. Chase the dreams he's given you. Declare the promises that he's spoken into. Receive the healing that he is already working in you. Embrace the suffering he might be calling you through. Press on toward the goal don't give up because his well done is going to be worth all the effort we're going to go into a time of worship and I want to encourage you I want to go into a time of praise because God is good amen because he is faithful because he is victorious because we might be battling through some things right now, but we can still sink through the storm. We can still declare who our God is and where he will take us out of because we have his word, we have his promises. We know the end of the story. So I'm gonna sing about where he's gonna send me, where he's taking me, where we're going hand in hand with my savior. And I'm not gonna just dwell here on my path or what I'm going through in this hardship. I'm gonna sing about where God is leading me to. He's taking us higher. He's taking us forward. This song is called Glory to Glory. Listen to the words. It says, created from dust, you came and you lived among us. You took on our frame. You walked in our pain. Now you're taking us higher. Don't you, don't you, aren't you glad that we have a God that knows what we're going through, that he went through some of that pain himself. He went and he can sympathize and empathize with us. He knows it says, you stepped into time that you laid down your life to save us. You took all our shame on the cross. It was laid. Now you're taking us higher. God is taking you somewhere. And the chorus says, because we go from glory to glory to glory. I'll never be the same. We're forever changed. And the bridge says, until we reach that day. Love conquers everything. We'll cry an anthem singing holy, holy. And when we see that day and we're standing face to face, we'll shout an anthem singing holy, 
holy, holy, because we go from glory to glory to glory. Is there anyone in this place that wants to give God praise that he is calling you to a new future? Anyone that wants to just give God all that's inside of you and saying, God, where are you calling me to, God? Right here this morning, today, in my praise, may you hear the desperation of my heart and saying, God, I am ready. I am willing. I will not give up. I am pressing onward to where you are calling me to. Here are my dreams, God. Here is my heart, God. Here is my praise. Here's all that I have to offer you. It might not even be anything. You might not even have anything left in you. You have a voice. So praise God. And you cry out to him. Can we praise him this morning, church? Is that cool? Can we give God some more praise right now? Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand it. We're going to go into, into this song. I want to pray for us. And this morning, if you don't know Jesus, if you have not experienced the hope and the life that Jesus has to offer. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to tell you right now, I hate to break through, but you're walking alone. But you don't have to walk alone because Jesus paid the price on a cross. He rose again to bring you new life that you may know reconciliation with him, that you may be brought into a relationship with him, be brought back in right relationship with him. He wants to walk this through you. Stop going through life alone. Jesus says, I am here. So today, in your heart, out loud, as we sing, after the service, talk to, talk to someone. That tell them, how do I know Jesus? Just tell, just tell them, say, Jesus, I give you my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Walk with me now. Forgive me of my sins. Take all of my sins, all my past. Make me brand new. I am brand new in Jesus. And I want to walk into the future that you have me. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are God. So here's my life. And the minute you say those things, you are a new creation. Your life will never, ever, ever be the same. And let me tell you the good news. You're already in a place that is going to love you and accept you. And here's a family that says, welcome in. And we're going to walk with you now. You don't go through this life alone. Come on, can we give God praise for that? He is with you. His spirit is with you. This church is with you. The person next to you is with you. We're with you. So give your life to Jesus. His well done will be worth it. We have nothing else in this life but to know Him. That's the greatest gift of all. That's the greatest love of all. So can we praise Him this morning? I want you to shout it out. I want you to dance. I want you to get out of your seat, whatever it is, and forget about the person next to you. You know what? As a matter of fact, grab the person next to you and say, you're singing with me because God has a future for us. Come on. God has a future for this church. So we're going to sing and we're going to praise Him. In Jesus' name we pray and, it's, and we all say, amen. Come on, let's give God praise. And let's lift up his name.